Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony, and uh, Maddie Mock Sober Chauffeur, Collins Anthony, joins me now. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, this is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting week for us because it's the Thursday night game is what the Tigers will have against Mississippi State yeah, national television. Yeah, and there's been a lot going on in the uh, in the meantime. It was a bye week for the Tigers, so no action uh, on the field. Yeah, last time we spoke to you. Uh, Matty Mock had just been reinstated That's for, right. the, for trouble unknown. Yeah, so the very, very secret, double secret probation that he was on had ended after four weeks. Uh, apparently, according to Coach Pinkle, he had joined the team in Tuesday practices and then on Wednesday went before the team and apologized. Heartfelt. Heartfelt apologies for whatever it was that he had done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later that night, Wednesday, something else happened. And uh, we, nobody heard anything about it. Until some intrepid journalists at the uh, at the Mazadcast tweeted some information about this activity, Colin, on October thirty first, I believe it was, at uh, eleven eighteen a.m. Halloween, we reported we are hearing there is new Maddie Mock trouble brewing. Something happened last night. Not sure what yet. And then uh, about a minute later, we put possibly a dust up at Fieldhouse. Then at 11.31, we reported, scoop, hearing Mock was super wasted at Fieldhouse Wednesday night, got on bar trying to pick a fight, kicked out by bouncers, drove home drunk. And that uh, got a little bit of attention from our listeners, but not until the next day did the real news start happening. Uh, sat- so that was Saturday. Sunday, Gary Pinkle announced that Matty Mock was suspended for the remainder of the 2015 season. And wouldn't say what this was about, uh, although it did happen to coincide very neatly with our timeline that we reported uh, the day before. And so uh, we got a real boost of activity on our Twitter account. And uh, as people started to inquire what the heck went on, and we had some answers that nobody else did. And then uh, and then late last night, Dave Matter from the Post-Dispatch uh, reported that he could confirm with two different unnamed sources that Matty Mock had gotten to a scuffle. Apparently our unnamed sources aren't as good as his unnamed sources. That's right. So we, we don't have the backing of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and thus far our account didn't happen, according to Mr. David Matter. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we call story poaching, I That's think. right. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, it kind of fits the narrative, though, Brennan. You know, for you listeners, we don't talk about it much, but we are kind of looked at like a boil on the ass of the uh, Mizzou media, mostly appropriately. I <laughs> yeah, I would say absolutely. We are not a, we're more of a TMZ than we are a St. Louis Post Dispatch. Yeah. We're but, the outsiders. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like we talked about it before. I mean, we're going to give you the scuttlebutt, and um, we don't need two unnamed sources. And uh, and I can appreciate that they do, mm-hmm. but you can. It doesn't take any effort at all just to go, as reported by Mazodcast, we can now confirm. You know what I mean? It just yeah. So yes, and and I mean we give. Dave, it was tweeted at Dave Matter. Questions were asked about Dave Matter, you know, the the day before, and then a day later he passes this information off as if it was his he, own. Yeah, his own. Oh, I did this. This was me. This is all me. His Big own scoop. muckraking. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, th- that's the thing. I, w- I do appreciate it. It's like we're not a newspaper. We're not a media organization. That if we report something that is inaccurate, our credibility is called into question, and the and the credibility of our organization is uh, is put in jeopardy that's not what we're doing we are very open about if we hear something we will tell you we know that it's rumor mill speculation it could be and we're open about that but if we hear something we will say it and we did this and in this case it was dead on dead on and so all i i mean i'm okay with them saying you know we have higher standards than you folk at the mazad cast you lowly folk yeah but at the same time when we get one right it'd be nice to get a little tip of the cap well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not all, I, it's upsetting from the standpoint, it's just like, it's, it would be different if he just wrote the story about it, but to like, to play it off as if it, this is his scoop, you know what I mean? Like, this was, he's the f- guy who got to it first. Well, and it, it also is a lesson to me on just how small of a world the Mizzou media is, because like I said, we're not part of the, the clique, I guess, you know, we're sure. not, we don't go to every press conference and we don't go to the media days and do all these things that this very small group of pasty skinned individuals goes to, <laughs> to write about the Missouri Tigers. And because of that, uh, when we report something, it, it can easily be ignored by the, by the mainstream media, I guess, as Sarah Palin would say. And then those guys can, can create their own echo chamber. I mean, then sure. you hear other reports piggybacking on Dave Matter's earlier report. Well, that's great, except it wasn't Dave Matter's. Yeah, the, yeah Dave Matter was also doing a little piggybacking. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, that, that, to be fair, there are journalistic organizations of higher repute, such as Saturday Down South, and I think it was Arch City Sports out yeah. of St. Louis. They did credit us for the, for the credit that we deserve. Yeah, <laughs> for r- rightly citing us as the... Yeah originator of this story and here's the thing too about it that that i want to be fair about like i learned a lesson earlier this season uh we i heard a report uh that that there was an active shooter situation at the popular restaurant murray's in columbia Mm -hmm. that uh, gary pinkle was there and and the first report i heard was that a shooter came at gary pinkle and uh, i was like holy crap and this hadn't been reported yet and then like minutes later i heard well the shooter didn't he came in, but he wasn't. He didn't know Pinkle was there. He just happened to be there. And then I heard, well, the shooter was outside the restaurant, and there was mm-hmm. a lockdown in the restaurant. Turns out, after all the, the dust settled, that there was an apartment complex where there was a guy who had some mental problems who had brandished a weapon. It just happened to be adjacent to Murray's, and it just happened that Gary Pinkle was in the restaurant. Yeah. Completely unconnected events. And you can see how the rumor mill really rapidly sure. goes in a direction that's not true, and reputable news organizations have to be very careful about that. But at the same time, we don't look at ourselves that way. We say, here's what we're hearing. You know, this might not, by in a 24-hour news cycle, this could be completely different. And but- listen, we have sources too. You know what I mean? And, right. and for some reason, when we, you know, talk about something we get from a source, and in this case, the Fieldhouse thing was a pretty good source, 
we, we're, we're not going to reveal that source because we want that person to continue to give us information. But at the same time, you know, Dave Matter's not naming his sources either, but for right. some reason his story's credible and ours isn't. Right. You know, and I don't want to go on and on and on about it, although I have. Um, <laughs> and continue, will continue to. <laughs> right. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I was going to look into what, what this, the implications are, frankly, for the team, because we were caught up in the actual reporting of this news, but it is big news for the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, by all accounts, it looked like Drew Locke may have, that may have been the end of his starting this season. Matty Mock may have reclaimed his starting role. I think there were several players that, that didn't seem to know what was going on. And Jamon Moore said he expected Mock to start, but they would share snaps. Right. And so, so this has a tremendous impact on, on the rest of our what's likely to be an 0-4 finishing of the season. Um, but uh, so Locke is, again, the starter. No questions. Mock is, is not on the team for this season, and one has to wonder seriously if he's going to be back for a senior year. Oh, I don't see any scenario where he's back, Brennan. I, yeah. He's he, he's going to transfer. He almost has to, and I feel like the program at this point would welcome it. Well, it, you know, Colin mentioned we have heard some rumblings that are a little darker than what we have reported. If there is any validity to that, then goodbye, Mock. You know? Yeah, because, you know... <laughs> To go down that matter road is like, yeah, we're a podcast, but we don't report everything. I mean, there are details about this Fieldhouse incident that we have heard that we're not comfortable telling you about because we can't confirm it. And so we're, I mean, even us have just a smidge of journalistic integrity, just, <laughs> yeah. a, just a very small scotch. Well, it's not so much journalistic integrity. We're just keeping our own ass out of a sling. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think, you know, people have obviously become very frustrated with the media, and I think this points to the reason why. Like, while we are reporting the stuff, Fieldhouse stuff, until Matty Mock got kicked off the team essentially for it, I don't think it would have ever been reported by a single news outlet. I mean, the media here seems to just ignore stories until Gary Pinkle forces them with suspensions to acknowledge that they happened. Or, uh, if not Gary Pinkle, then, you know, world-class podcasters. Yeah, force but, their hand. You know, like you know, somebody tweeted at Gabe Diarmid about us in our little thing, and he's like, "I'm sure that they have a lot different, you know, standards standards for reporting stuff than I do." Gabe on his uh, big ivory tower. Mm-hmm. That, nothing burns my ass more than than Gabe and his ivory tower because he runs PowerMizzou.com, which is just a giant rumor mill. I mean, it's a message board for rumors. He he runs a rumor factory. Doesn't just run it. You have to pay him an <laughs> subscription yeah. fee in order to take part in. Gabe Yarman is like a, a, a an industrialist owning a giant factory that belches out pollution into the atmosphere every day, and then goes to a dinner party that night and brags about recycling. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and we just pollute and pollute and pollute and then don't recycle them. We feel like there's more integrity there. Yeah, there. There is. There is more integrity there. So, you know, we're looking at a situation now, completely a landscape completely different than what it was a week ago, even days ago, where Drew Locke, who has had his own struggles, clearly we haven't scored a touchdown in the month of October, and uh, he's going to be expected to lead the pack uh, against a, a very tough Mississippi State team who's at the top of their game. Dak Prescott's playing as well yeah, as what, he has all season. What nobody's talking about, right, is the Mississippi State game. And with all of this swirling, I can't help but think this is a team that's already a bit downtrodden. This, all this controversy can't help. Right. You know what I mean? We're, I feel like this team's already up against the ropes, and now they're dealing with this stuff left, right, and center. It's a bad, it's a bad look for the university and the, and the program, and it's a, it's a bad place to be in for those kids. And I shouldn't call them kids because I've lobbied right. against that. Mm-hmm. These players. Yeah, I mean, this is an opportunity for the Mizzou defense to really show its stripes because Dak Prescott is probably going to play on Sundays. I mean, this is truly the first NFL caliber uh, quarterback that this defense is going to go against. So 
yeah, this defense has pretty much shut down everybody they've run up against. But here comes a quarterback who is like the consensus best quarterback in, um, in the SEC. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, you know, the locks and the gears of the world may ascend to that level, but Dak Prescott is there right now. And mm-hmm. the Mizzou Tigers defense is going to have to face him. And we'll get a chance to see if Charles Harris and Terry Josh Beckner. Augusta and Beckner and, and, and our really good corners, Pinton and Dennis, can contain him. I think they will. Mm-hmm. I don't see Mississippi State doing anything that Mizzou's defense can't handle. Uh, but the, the ever-present question is, can our offense score? Correct. And then, you know, I do worry that all these off-the-field distractions will have negative impact on the play of everybody, including the defense. I mean, the team has to be in somewhat of a psychological disarray at this point. Sure. I mean, Pinkle's answering questions at Paris conferences he hasn't had to answer in a long time. This isn't just about bad play. This is about bad behavior. I mean, granted, we've had situations like DGB, which we recovered from nicely, um, but God, this is in the middle of the season, in the middle of a season where we're playing poorly and well, we're already in the dumps about that. He's it's, like, we do what we do. We don't cover things up. He better hope that this sto- these stories don't ever trickle out about Mock. Yeah, and, and I, that they're not bad because I'm, I'm of a mixed mind about Pinkle's strategy because I understand, I can appreciate his protection of his athletes. However, at the same time, I really think that a simple, clearly worded press statement that s- states, vaguely but kind of squarely what mock has done would calm a lot of the the talk and and then with the second incident it's only taken it to a whole nother level yeah, i mean when you don't tell us what's going on and i'm not saying he has to give us full details of you know a blow-by-blow report but when you just when you play it this close to the vest you just let the the rumors swirl and, and before you let long, people like us make reports yeah and the, and <laughs> And and before long, you know, he's running a drug cartel, or he's you know flying airplanes into buildings, or you know, they, people just make up their own. I heard he was suspended for pushing over porta potties. I, you know, it just it's all of a sudden everybody just makes up their own narrative, and Pinkle can't control that narrative because he's unwilling to create his own. Right. Well, what do you think about like Drew Locke? Where do you think he stands mentally, or you know, in preparation for this week's game? What do you think this has an effect on him about? I, I feel like he's they, he's. <laughs> <laughs> Hot lock, I think Locke is, is, a, uh, is a mature kid for his age, and anytime they've interviewed him, he's he's cool the other side of the pillow, yeah. as the late Stuart Scott would say. And uh, I don't, I think he probably keeps a distance. I mean, he's probably been, if Matty Mock is who we think he is, he's probably been kept at arm's length <laughs> a little bit from him. Like you know, the coaching staff is probably like, "Hey, Maddie can help you on the field, but let's not hang out with him on the weekends." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is one of the more interesting Missouri Tiger football seasons I've ever encountered in my many, 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 many years of following the Missouri Tigers. I, I don't even know what to make of it, and I worry more about 2016 than I do the remaining four games on the schedule. I guess. Sure. Uh, I don't know what it does for recruiting. You know, I, I mean, we need offensive linemen, and as we mentioned in earlier episodes, you can't just recruit a great offensive lineman and then put plug him in, you know, because yeah. the best offensive lineman out of a senior in high school comes in at like 280, 290, and you want him more at 310, 315, you know, it just, it's, it's tough. I mean, as far as pass protection went against Vanderbilt, the line seemed to play a little better. They still did not open any running lanes, but... That being said, if if the small changes that are being made on the offensive line, if maybe this group playing together has finally started to gel a bit, we'll get a chance to see against Mississippi State whether that play, that improved play, 
continues. And I mean, when I say improved, it's improved from miserable to not very good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it was improved a little bit. I think everybody, I saw several people, including us, obviously mentioned that they looked, the line looked a little better, but still no running lanes whatsoever. It's a, uh, it's hard to know what Drew Locke is. I mean, he's got no running game. The protection is is bad at best. I mean, you know, well, we, we, we are so one-dimensional. I mean, the receivers aren't getting open. Well, and I think I mentioned early podcasting, you know, I was at the Vanderbilt game and you sitting there in the uh behind the uh goalpost going watching, you know, all the receivers run down the field. Nobody's open, you know, and um what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, one thing we've talked about, the whole mock situation has made us neglect the importance of how bad of an offensive coach Josh Henson is. Nothing down the, over the middle. I'd love to see in, against Mississippi State us take try to take a few shots, short shots, over the middle. Drag route? Please, quick, just quick one goddamn routes. drag route? Yeah. <laughs> could, could you just maybe, these, maybe, you know. Instead of these low percentage sideline shots where you require not only your receivers to make a dazzling catch, but then to, to ballet step along the sidelines to get mm-hmm. inbounds. Do something else. It's really easy to f- defend the Tigers when there's only one or two things that they're ever going to do successfully, which is these little sideline shots, and they don't have to worry about the run up the middle. They don't have to worry about the drag routes up the middle. Yeah, The middle of the field is closed off to Henson's playbook, it appears. Well, and you know, in the Vanderbilt game, now granted that we weren't going anywhere from a uh, running game standpoint, but they abandoned it really early. I mean, just said, screw it. We are uh, we are not running the football, and he and Drew Locke just threw all day. And when you're one dimensional like that, even Vanderbilt can figure you out, right? <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So here we are up against Mississippi State, and I honestly thought at the beginning of the season that we could win this game. Everything has changed since the beginning of the season. I mean, my God, it's a completely different looking team than we expected. <sighs> You know, we got four games left. We need two games to get into a bowl, likely in Shreveport, Louisiana, over Christmas. And, you know, who are we going to beat? We got to beat BYU. We have to beat BYU. I'm sure there's going to be all of 200 to 300 people at that you game know, at Arrowhead. If Mock was still playing, I, it actually, I can't believe it, but when they said he was reinstated, it did give me a mild optimism. I mean, very mild. But I thought, you know, we all have seen Mock pull a rabbit out of his ass on the field several times. I mean, just kind of that fuck it gunslinger style play. And sometimes you get lucky with that stuff. And, you know, maybe a little of that wouldn't be a bad thing given the the state of our offensive line. But, you know, here we are again, Matty Mock suspended. Right. And, and probably never going to suit up for the Tigers again would be my guess. I would be willing to put, you know, six or seven shiny quarters that he will never play football for the Missouri Tigers again. Well, and frankly, I mean, besides the play on the field, good riddance to this guy. He's a junior. He's 22 years old, and he just came 22 off 22-year-old of, kid, <laughs> according to Todd Palmer. Correct. 22-year-old kid. Just came off a four-week suspension where he could be playing SEC starting quarterback, and the very first thing he does after getting reinstated is get into a, a brawl at a local bar. I mean, you could not ask for less in the world of yeah. leadership. Yeah, literally leadership. hours after apologizing to his team. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing at the field house? Yeah. What are you doing out of your I fucking dorm? Don't even question the fact that he was probably, you know, antagonized by other drunk students about whatever, you know, mm. cocaine, playing poorly, whatever. But you put yourself in that situation, and it's a stupid, stupid thing to do. I'm sorry, you want to go out and get drunk on Halloween. You, there's a lot of privileges when you get to be a Division One scholarship athlete that all the rest of those kids at Fieldhouse don't get. So I'm sorry if you want to go get drunk with the rest of those kids and and then 
not have just made air quotes for, yeah. air quotes for those. Yeah, I guess podcasts you can't see air quotes, but I definitely air quoted the word kids. You know, the and and then I think frankly that's part of the reason why this came out is because there's a lot of those students who don't get the same privileges and all the perks that come with being the starting quarterback, the big man on campus. And when he acts like a total ass, you know, why does he get to be able to do that and they don't? You know, it's bullshit, and I don't blame them for being upset about it. So uh, it, it, he's he's no kind of leader. We don't need him on this team, mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, well, and I think at least with this, with the, with us and uh, reporting the, the Fieldhouse incident, I feel like the that can of worms has been open, and maybe some journalists um, who have been reluctant to dig into negative uh, information are, are going to have to now. You know, they're going to have to to dig a little bit, and so we're probably only going to get more information about this story. At least that's my hope. Right. I hope when we get some of this information, because I'd love to shove it in the face of the people who refuse to acknowledge us. Yeah. Although I don't want to go on about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's go on about that, Brennan. <laughs> I mean, Why don't we take a break first? Okay. Let cooler heads prevail. Then we're going to come back and peacefully. And we're going to list every single media member that covers Mizzou Tigers, and we're going to tell, <laughs> we're going to tell you what our problem is with them. <laughs> one after the other. And that's how you make friends. <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, well, let's be honest, Brennan. They're not interested at all in being our friend. <laughs> but you're going to get the straight dope here. So yeah, we're anyway. going to get Bolivian uncut shale straight from Maddie Mock's pocket. That's right. So anyway, until we return, this is the Mazodcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Like a hand job with Icy Hot, the Mazatcast. Well, Colin, we're back, and uh, you feel feel a little more calm. No, okay, good. Well, uh, we've been following Twitter as we were settling in for the after the break, and we've really, really enjoyed some of the things we've seen from our listeners. Uh, Colin, don't you agree? Yeah, we appreciate uh, our. Our Twitter followers kind of go into bat for us, so you guys feel free to do that as much as you like because, you know, we have quite a few followers, and yeah. they're well aware of the fact that uh, we broke the story. Yeah, and, and the more we bitch and moan about not getting the credit we deserve, uh, the more we just come off we as— We so richly deserve We it. come off as whiny bitches, but uh, the more that other people, our listeners, kind of back us and, and, like Colin said, have our back, the more folks like the Dave Matters of the world kind of have to— at least respond or react or know that what they did was um, sinful. Yeah. Evil, yeah. sinful. I don't know if those are the right adjectives, but they feel it. They sure. feel like it. Yeah. Well, it's, like I said, we go on and talk about the press over and over and over again if we'd like. We might. We might. Mm-hmm. We might come up again. But uh, we should talk about the game, I guess, a little bit more. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, do, we, do you expect, Brennan, 
for Mizzou to have a chance in this game, honestly. Well, you know, we talked to David Morrison last week about that, and he what he said I really kind of I, I stand by, which is that the way you look at how, the way Missouri's played the last three, four weeks, you say, no, they can't win another game because you have to score points to win football games. Sure. However, it's a pretty low bar is what we're asking. If they can get in the end zone once or twice, this defense is so good that, yeah, we could win any game on the schedule if – we can get in the end zone. And that's such a big if. It's hard to make a prediction. You know, and we can't have this kind of touchdown drought I forever. I mean, I, my God, we've yeah. come so tantalizingly close to the defense scoring, to <laughs> the offense scoring. There have been such close calls. Eventually, we're gonna, the dam is going to break and we're going to score. And if that happens, then we could win that game. I just don't know what game it's going to be. Well, I think what scares me is that if there's a team that's underrated in the SEC right now, it's probably Mississippi State. Yeah, They've won a lot of games. They've looked good doing it. And they're kind of like the little engine that could. And they just keep plugging along. They're not a bad team. Even if we were playing good football right now, Mississippi State would be a team to you know watch out for. To, yeah. to, you know, I wouldn't go into this game going, oh, we're absolutely going to win this. Yeah, and the, the other thing that's happened is, you know, with the losses and all the suspensions and everything, the the fan base has been become somewhat demoralized. And I worry about attendance. I worry about the emotion and the energy yeah, level. Yeah, when does in indifference stadium. set in? Yeah, I mean, one good thing is the Royals won, you know, the World Series last night. So all those Royals fans who had far more interest to follow the baseball team than they did the Tigers, they can now focus their attention to other things. Like Todd Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Sporting KC. So, so maybe there will be a resurgence of a little energy into the fan base. I don't know. I hope so, because the Tigers need everything they can get. I think and a win it, would go a long way to that. Well, I'm just saying a half-empty Furrow Field is not going to help the team out too much. No, you know? no. Certainly not going to help the defense when they're wanting the noise to be up on third downs and short and those sorts of mm-hmm. situations. So I don't know, though. It's, well, like I said, they need a win in the worst way, not just because they need a win, but just because this, this program needs some sort of buzz around it that isn't negative. involving negative. You know, a suspension and negativity. I mean, Gary Pinkle, I mean, at this point, this, this season has spiraled in such a way that I can't imagine that there aren't going to be some serious conversations within the athletic department after the season's over. Like, how did this kid end up on a roster? <laughs> you know, how did this mm. season spiral out of control? You know, it, there's going to be some questions that have to be answered. And I'm not in any way saying Gary Pinkle should lose his job. I'm not saying in any way that people would, you know, in the athletic department would think that. I just mean that, you know, I, I think there's going to be questions asked, and or at least there very well should be. One thing I can't help but feel bad about, I mean, obviously a lot of people have talked about this defense has played so well and that we haven't had anything to show for it because the offense has been so bad. I feel bad for the players who are good students who are good quote-unquote kids who keep their noses clean they do what they're supposed to do you never hear about any trouble all they do is practice and work hard and do what they can to make the team better and they get zero attention all the attention like tyler hunt yeah like guys like tyler hunt and only guys like Matty Mott get this kind of attention and and he doesn't deserve the attention we're getting that's a quarterback that's the that's a i mean well, you're right. It is you know, the quarterback. I think but Vince still. Lombardi said, you know, football is a great game or a perfect game, except that the quarterback means too much. Right. You know what I mean? It, it is the, uh, in all of sports, it is the biggest position in all of sports, not just football. Yeah. I mean, it is singularly the, the most high-profile position on any field. Yeah. You, you, you touch the ball more than anyone else. Even a starting game. pitcher only goes once every five days. Right. So, yeah. you know, Mock is going to get this attention because he's a quarterback. And Drew Locke is going to get this attention because he's a quarterback, and they should. I mean, they control the offense. I mean, it's it's what they do. And uh, I just I'm having a hard time thinking of positives for this football team right now. Mm-hmm. 
And they're going to have to make their own positives. You know yeah. what I mean? They're going to have to come out and surprise people. And they're, they're capable of it. I really do think that they're capable of it. I mean, all the problems we have, the wide receivers are talented. They're a talented group. They just haven't done what they need to do. They've acted like the, the young players that they are. They need to, to run better routes. They need to get open. They need to make the most of the opportunities they're given, though few. You know, we need big plays. We haven't had big plays. Well, take away the mock suspension and all the, the stuff that's gone haywire this season, and just maybe we all expected a little too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a really young team, and I think we were overly optimistic about the running game because of Hansborough, and he was hurt from the word go. And we were overly optimistic about these receivers, despite how young they were. You know, some of this, I think, falls back on us as the um, quote-unquote media and the uh, fans, maybe having expectations a little too high. Obviously, the, the O-line has underperformed. They don't have youth as an excuse. But this team on a whole has been through some big transition the last two seasons with losing players to graduation. Maybe this is more of a rebuilding year than any of us wanted to admit mm-hmm. when the season started. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing. You know, I've seen some of the angrier fans calling for Pinkle's head and things of that nature. And God, Pinkle's a great coach, and Pinkle has led us to a place where the Tigers had never been before or hadn't been in in decades. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that calls for Gary Pinkle's head. But, yeah, the uh, the football team right now is what it is, and it's a very young football team. And I think there's, there is optimism for the future from, I think, that receiver core standpoint. I don't think they're necessarily bad. I think they're young. And, yeah, and well, what I was wanting to say, Colin, was that we're not a program yet or maybe ever where we don't have rebuilding years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're not we're, Alabama. We're there's not. There's very few teams in this country who, who don't have to reload. Don't have to reload. We, we're reloading. And uh, it's a tough pill to swallow. And it's been a particularly tough pill this year because we've, we've been tantalizingly close to winning games. But um, that's just a matter of what it is right now. We are reloading. And we had a year or two where the recruiting didn't go great. And we're seeing it now. Yeah, I think, I think most of the pessimism comes from the fact that we don't know who the offensive line is going to be next year because this is such a senior-laden offense offensive line so who's going to play next year are they going to be better than these guys who knows ish witter is the only running back of of any real consequence that's looks like he'll be on the roster next year mm-hmm. and he certainly hasn't shown us anything that makes us excited you know tyler hunt and hansborough will both be gone uh, you know abington hopefully. is going to be here but they haven't let that guy even sniff the field hardly yeah. and so it doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence that he's something they're they're hopeful for i do have confidence that gary pinkle has shown if nothing else that he in the off season he addresses problems. We've had a lot of years where we had b- bad years, 2012 in particular, when we entered the SEC, and we bounced back spectacularly. And this has happened in the past. There have been a couple seasons in Gary Pinkle's tenure with Mizzou where things look like, well, that's the end of our run, you know. Yep. But no, a year or two later, and we're back in contention for at least conference titles. So I, I do have confidence that he can recognize problems and address them. Now, in season changes, that's another issue. But, you know, going into 2016, we may see some things that we really like and really excited about. But that's all it looks like a long way from now at this point. I was actually, uh, they had talked about playing this Adams kid at mm-hmm. left tackle, right. who's a younger guy. And I was looking forward to seeing him play because it would have been just a small, if he'd played well anyway, it would have been a small little bright spot, something about this offense to say, maybe there's hope for next year. And, you know, Nate Brown at times has looked good. Even Jamon Moore at times has looked good. You, you feel like with a little seasoning, mm-hmm. and I have not lost confidence in Drew Locke. I feel like any quarterback, even given these circumstances, would not be doing very well. Yeah. But I think if you can protect him and find somebody to catch the ball, he's got the ability. I yeah. mean, nobody is, no, I haven't seen a single person question 
his football ability or football acumen. It's no, just been talk about trial by fucking fire ugh. too. I mean, my God. And the only the only real play criticism I'll have for Drew Locke is on short passes. He does seem to drill it in at a thousand miles an hour. He doesn't seem to put touch on the short passes. But then again, he's in a situation where he's so compelled to get the ball off as fast as possible mm-hmm. due to the time that the pocket collapses. You know, it's hard for it's hard, it's easy to forgive him for things like that. You yep. know, so I don't know. I mean. I do think it would have been devastating to Drew Locke's psyche if he had been benched for a poorly performing and formerly suspended Matty Mock. So in this situation, I'm kind of glad, even though it may may all be four ugly games, that he didn't deserve the benching. You know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm sure we wouldn't have got anything from him. But the one thing I hated was that we didn't get at least one opportunity with media accessibility to Matty Mock before this suspension came down because, you know, Pinkle obviously is going to give us the information. I'm sure Mock was going to hold that party line, but who knows? We'll never get a chance to know now because Mock's not going to be allowed to talk to anybody. Right. You know, because like I said, there is still that want of information regarding the situation. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish yeah. we were talking about how they're challenging for the SEC East again, but instead we're talking about uh, quarterbacks being suspended and the press poaching stories or not asking questions or just mm-hmm. turning their head. I will say this. I want to say this before we, we wrap it up, Brennan, is that, if you're looking for a source of information, the Columbia News Tribune, in my opinion, is a much better place to go than either one of the, the large media outlets, whether that be the Post-Dispatch or the Kansas City Star. You know, I enjoy Joe Wall Jasper and David Morrison a great deal. Uh, they, are, they are good journalists, and I don't want to throw them in that pot with those that I feel maybe are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so kudos to those guys, and um, I th- you know, especially after you interviewed him. In the midweek show, you know, David Morrison has obviously done some digging with the Matty Mock story. He right. wasn't sitting on his thumbs. Now, he didn't get the answers he wanted, and that's unfortunate, but at least it gave me some confidence that the local guys are at least, you know, drilling right. into this a little bit. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's all you can ask, really. I mean, it's, it's not always going to be there, but at least make the effort. And frankly, that leads me to something. When, when we did post this about the Fieldhouse incident, and when, it, when the suspension came down, and it, it came to most people, even people who don't follow us, or don't maybe value us as a source of accurate information. I would have thought that somebody from the media would have made it, would have reached out to us and say, "Hey, I saw that you tweeted this before any of the news dropped. Where did you get this information? Can you verify it? Can you back it up? I would like to confirm this story." Nobody did that. No one made any effort to do that. It really speaks to me of the lack of effort overall within the media community. I mean, that's a simple phone call, simple yeah, if we're email. Not, if, we're not a, if we're not a reliable source, that's fine. But how do you know until you've talked to us and you yeah. ask us who our source is and how we came across this information? Yeah, you may have called us, talked to us and decided those guys don't know what they're talking about. I'm not going to put them in the paper. Nobody even tried. You yeah. know, no one even tried. And, and I don't know if that's pride well, and I, or we what mentioned that is. in the show, Brendan, if, if Matty Mock doesn't get suspended for this incident, does, it, does anybody in the media even mention this incident happened? Right. Do they find out about it and just go, Bleh. I mean, in, in Strauss's article, that he mentioned an incident earlier uh, on for some – there was a player at the dorms or some incident, and it was more or less not talked about. Right. And, and I saw people tweeting it like Dave Matter, like, what, is it, what are you guys talking about? You're just making shit up. They're like, no, there was an incident. It, was, it, it went unreported. It, it was no police report. It was all you yeah. know, hush, hush. Why? You know, why was that incident never brought up? Because Gary Pinkle didn't address it directly? You can't – like I said – just because it wasn't addressed directly by the program doesn't make it irrelevant information when a player is involved in some sort of scrum or questionable behavior. You yeah. know, why is it not 
news. Yeah. Your job is to report. It's not to be in bed with the program. I mean, we're fans. We want Missouri to do well. We don't want them to get in these incidents. But when they do, it has an effect on the program, and we want to talk about it, you know? And it's certainly, we don't have a job. It's not our, <laughs> this is, we don't have to do this. The people who are employed by the Post-Dispatch or the KC Star, they do have to do that. And you'd think they'd want to do it a little better. Well, like I said, they're, they're big, important guys with tons of integrity. Mm-hmm. And we're not. Right. We're just shit on the bottom of their shoe. So we'll remain shit at the bottom of their shoe. Yeah. Who reports information that they then poach. Well, so, one day maybe we will be in the club of paunchy, pasty guys with receding hairlines who sit around and <laughs> pontificate about <laughs> congratulate each other for reporting the exact same thing that the other guy did. Yep. Yep. So anyway, Colin, uh, we will, uh, Brian will join us later. We'll talk a little bit more about the Missouri, the Mississippi state game. And then, uh, we'll hope the tigers do the best. And then it is weird because we usually do a midweek show and then a weekend show to talk about the game. Since the game is on the midweek, um, we'll try to do something closer to Thursday and, uh, and then probably get back on a regular schedule. Yeah. After after Sunday. So anyway, Colin, I think you've got a hard out, don't you? I do. i got to go. So uh, we'll be back from the break. Brian Goers will join us, and we're going to talk some uh, game day action. All right. This is Mazzotcast. And so we're back, and joining us now is Brian Goers, who I guess we're trading up, getting rid of Colin. Yeah, I took him out. Yeah. <laughs> so... We're going to lead off with a little bit of happier news, and that would be Kansas news. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story... From the Lawrence Journal World, it says, Kansas registered sex offenders allowed to participate in trick-or-treating, Brian. Oh. Yeah, not a big shock, I yeah. would think. If you didn't let the sex offenders in Kansas give out trick-or-treats, no one would be left to give trick-or-treats. That's a good point. If you don't want your child to trick-or-treat at a registered sex offender's house in Kansas, then you're going to have to do a little research first. Kansas, unlike other states, does not place any Halloween restrictions on registered sex offenders. According to state statutes... There's no signs indicating a sex offender's home, no ban on doling out candy, and at least in Douglas County, no law enforcement specifically assigned to monitor the moves of former sexual predators on the child-friendly holiday. You know, there's not many states that stand up for the rights of sex offenders. Kansas really looks after its uh, pedophiles and predators. Yeah. I mean, they look at all citizens, right? Right. I guess there's equality there in some perverse way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very Kansas way. Yeah. The state of Kansas does not have any law that specifically places any restrictions on registered sex offenders regarding Halloween or contacting children on Halloween, Douglas County Sheriff's Office spokesperson Sergeant Kristen Dymick said. Other states do, and I think that's where some of the confusion comes into play. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I guess by, that's right. By other states, does she mean like, you know, 49 of them? That's right, the, the normal ones. Uh-huh. So next story. Kansas man accused of using jumper cables to shock local boy. Uh, A 58-year-old man has been arrested after police say he attached jumper cables to the ears of a 15-year-old Kansas boy to get information about a robbery. (laughs) Robert McDowell is accused of kidnapping and and aggravated battery, according to the Sedgwick County court records. 
Wichita Police Lieutenant James Espinoza says the boy was walking early Sunday when he said someone placed a gun to his back. Espinoza said the suspect took the teen to a garage, tied him to a trailer hitch, and attached jumper cables to his ears and shocked him repeatedly while questioning him about a recent robbery. See, this is where it differs from the normal Kansas behavior, which is the jumper cables go on the nipples, <laughs> uh, not the ears. Did the guy like not realize he's like Kansas? I realize it's bad, but it's not Guantan- Guantanamo bad. I don't know, Brian. I, I think you'd have a lot of uh, controversy there. That's a controversial statement. Which well, is worse, Kansas or Guantanamo Bay? That's true. We should probably let our Twitter followers figure that one out. Yeah, jump in on that one Yeah, uh, because I'm not willing to uh, make a judgment call there. Police say the man's wallet had been stolen, and he believed the teen was responsible. The suspect eventually released the boy, who ran home and told his father what happened, and then was taken to the hospital. <laughs> what did the guy think was going to happen? I don't know. Did he yeah. think that would what? be the end of it? He could just <laughs> randomly stop a teenager with a gun and then put jumper cables to mm-hmm. his ears, and mm-hmm. then uh, you know that he was going to run home to his, his dad and be like, "Well, you were doing uh, public service yeah. by answering those questions." Yeah, jumper cable the kid. Case closed. Next story. Kansas man who fled U.S. now captured after his return. Mm. Uh, the U.S. Marshal Service says a Kansas man who fled the U.S. two years ago was arrested when he flew back to the country from Africa. Marshals say Wilson Tyler was arrested Thursday at the JFK Airport in New York. He fled in 2013 after being charged with conspiracy to distribute cocaine and stealing $150. He was tracked to Sierra Leone. The Kansas City Star reported that Tyler, convicted as a teenager of second-degree murder in 1980 killing uh, in Kansas service station, was convicted of sodomizing another inmate while he was being held for the murder. Oh, my God. That's like, what, four offenses in, like, two minutes there? I know. That's like half the amount of a normal Kansas citizen. <laughs> well, Because of Ebola in Sierra Leone, Tyler was being held in a special unit in New York until he could be Return to Kansas. I, my guess uh, is that they had to make sure he did have Ebola before, and then returning. they can take him back to Kansas yeah. because they didn't want to, you know, drop him into a population that uh, had Ebola and then infect him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a little surprised though that, that that they were going to move him back to Kansas because I thought we had laws against cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah, exactly. That is that is pretty. I know he's murdered people. I know he sodomized people in prison. I know he distributed cocaine. It's really not fair to send him back to Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty cruel. We don't have other prisons in any other states. That's a good point, Brian. Well, that is this week's Kansas news. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, why don't we get to some depressing news, which is Missouri football. Man. Brian, Missouri's taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs this weekend. Not this weekend, this Thursday. Yeah, which and, which that's a change, right? We haven't had a Thursday night game since Nebraska in 2000 and Is that right? I thought nine, we played Arkansas on a Thursday game. No, that was, was a it? Friday night no, that was, game. Yeah, it was a Friday night, yeah. so that's for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's interesting. It's coming off a bye, 10-day break for the Tigers. A lot happened, of course, mm-hmm. we mentioned with the mock situation, but uh, here we are. So what are your expectations going up against uh, the hot, red-hot Bulldogs right now? Yeah, well, I expect our uh, offense to be just as bad as ever. Yeah, well, um, no reason to expect anything otherwise. I mean, yeah. the depth chart was released, and other than, like, I think Jason Reese was listed uh, neck and neck with Culkin as co-starters. Uh, other than that, the depth chart hasn't changed at all. Because Culkin's been the issue. Yeah, Colkin's been our bright spot this year. We Maybe to, that's a bad sign. Yeah, we need to tweak the offense because, you know, we're going to – so in our tweaking, what we're going to do right. is we're going to take our most effective offensive weapon this year, mm-hmm. and we're going to 
bring him down a little bit. <laughs> right. To bring in the guy who has repeatedly dropped passes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, bold strategy, God. Let's see yeah. how it plays out. We are looking at two teams here who are on completely different uh, flight paths. Missouri is sinking, yeah. sinking, sinking. That's a good point. And Mississippi State is at their strongest. Um, they started the season off a little weaker, and they've really looked good of late. So, unless we, like we said, unless we see something dramatically different, which I don't know why we would, it's not going to look good for our Tigers. In fact, I worry about the attendance at a Thursday night game. Yeah, it's going to be tough as is because it's like an 8.30 start. Which yeah. is late, yeah, so it is. you're not getting night. out of there till eleven, eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. By the end of the Hardly game, enough time to get to Fieldhouse. Yeah, well, yeah, Maka already be there. Right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean that that's got to be a concern. But I guess part of that is they they probably don't care, right? I mean they're making enough money off this nationally televised game. That's why they do it, right? Yeah, and that's why they put it on a Thursday night. It's not for our benefit. No. No, I mean, but let's try to remain a little bit positive because we have not been positive in a while. Right. What can well, Missouri do? Well, I just do? said that. We're making a lot of money. Okay, sure. What Check. can Missouri do to stay in this game? Well, I, you know, someone made the observation to me the other day that, you know, we for years we've recruited this very spread type of an offense, right? right? And, and we've had a mobile quarterback. We've had, you know, our running backs go east and west more than they go north and south. And it seems like you've got a running back now. We've got a couple running backs, actually, that are maybe stronger north and south running backs in Russell Hansborough and uh, your boy that you love and maybe have a little man crush on. Tyler Hunt. Tyler Hunt. Mm-hmm. And you've got a, a pure drop back passer for once, right? I mean, it, we've seen he can he can scramble if he needs to, but that's kind of not his go to, like like Mock or Franklin or go on back, right? So something that that this person was talking about was: is it time to finally tweak our offense to the point of let, let's just play a regular SEC lineup? Let's put a you know ace back with you know one running back in the backfield, two wide receivers, strap on a tight end or two, and put your quarterback under center, which I know is really weird for Gary Pinkle, but I it would be hard for me to imagine, especially the troubles Drew Locke has had taking snaps under well, center. That's true. Um, but the guy never gets a chance to practice that probably because he know. takes every snap from the shotgun. But at the same time, we haven't really run a true spread offense in a number of years. I mean, yeah, we, maybe, I mean, maybe that's the issue, right? We've like trying too hard to balance that, you know, we, yeah. where we're not a spread, but we're also not a just line up and run it. To me, that's part of the problem of Josh Henson's offense is that uh, he, he doesn't, it doesn't have a definition, you know, it doesn't have a go-to, it doesn't have a style of play. We keep trying things and, and failing at them instead of trying to be the masters of a particular type of offense. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think, a lot of Tiger fans would like to see more experimentation from our offense, but well, it's just not point, something we're going to do. Right? I mean, I, the season's at a loss at this point. I, I think just about every Tiger fan can should agree to that. If they if they don't, I don't know what your expectations. But that's just not what are. Pinkle does. Pinkle does not make dramatic changes in season. He just does not. Other than suspending quarterbacks, Pinkle has a system for a year. And I mentioned to Colin before you were on board. I do think Gary Pinkle makes good off-season changes. In years like this where we've had bad performances, we have come back in the following year, and we have addressed a lot of those problems. But in season, not so much. Yeah. You know, I think your point, though, about the identity is, is a is a good one because look at our defense, right? The identity for our Tigers defense has been we're going to have defensive linemen who are the best defensive linemen in the country, or at least in, you know, in our conference. They're going to go on to make the NFL – you know, and we're going to have a stellar defense built around that. And that has worked. 
And you're right, on offense, we've not been able to get that kind of a thing. You know, we had DGB for a year-ish in there where we thought maybe we'd have this great receiving core, and that was a really good receiving core. I think that's part of it, too. When we look at this receiving core, and we're like, what the heck? And they are young, but we also have had some really, really good wide receivers in the last few years. Denario Alexander, DGB, even though, you know, he couldn't have his off the field problems caught up to him finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, even yeah, Washington, even some of the other guys who, you know, you may, you know, not playing on Sunday, but they were very capable wide receivers and we just haven't been able to replace all of them. I think is, is part of the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's just the offense isn't just such a struggle right now. And, you know, Clay Travis and all these other bigger name commentators, they all pretty much unanimously agree that Missouri's offense is the worst in the Power Five conference. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard it's, to argue that. It's almost oof. the worst in college football. What are we ranked? 127 out of yeah. 128? I mean, yeah. yeah, shit. Yeah, we're the worst in the Power Fives. I don't know. I mean, the Tiger fans all year long have said, why can't we see more Tyler Hunt? You know, why can't we see more tight end plays? Why can't we see stuff up the middle? But we're not changing. And I, we haven't changed yet. I don't know why we would at any point expect to change now. Yeah, I mean, I not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't. I'm just saying that we're not going to. That's just not the way Pinkle operates. Which, again, is, is strange. And I realize he hasn't been in this situation in a while, which, you know, I think we said this in a previous episode before. You know, Pinkle's created this monster in and of itself, right? He's He took the program from just the crapper and built it up to expect 10 win seasons every every year. Mm-hmm. So now we finally don't have one under him. And I mean, I, there's been down years as well, right? But I don't know that there's been down years going in where we really expect, like, the drop yeah. in, in... Yeah, this drop-off was not expected. Right, right. And, and so now here he's got to answer for, you know, it's got to be frustrating for him, right? He's got to be like you know, what the heck? Like I put Missouri on the map and now you guys are going to sit here and rail against me, you know, like this. And he's in, he's created this tough spot for him, but you're right. If there was ever a time to experiment a little bit, right? Like I I don't see what the issue is, what the coaches see in a a day in day out that Tyler Hunt doesn't get an entire series as the primary running back. I don't think we're ever going to have an answer to that question. I'm yeah. I mean, but you're right. Pinkle has built these expectations, but also that's the nature of college football head coaching. I True. mean, look at Mark Richt in Georgia. I mean, he, it's yeah. all but written that he's going to lose his job yeah. now, and all he's ever done is produce 10-win, 9-win seasons for Georgia. They just have expectations of national championships, as Collins always said, uh, unrealistically, but there they are. And, uh, you know, he's we're, they're going to fire a very good college football coach. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, you're right. That is the nature of, of college football, you know, Pinkle's been doing this for 25 years, and he's he's been very good at the other places he's been. Toledo, he built that program up, obviously, and it's it's capitalized on success even post Pinkle. And we had uh, we have I think it was Joe Wall Jasper on. We asked him last last year if if Missouri could ever get a better coach than Gary Pinkle, mm-hmm. and he, he just flat out said no. Yeah, like, I mean this is this is what you're going to get, and you have to live with it, which can be frustrating sometimes right and and i think his point was that we are a program that it's not you know if there's if there's coaching vacancies in a year and there's a elite level program looking for a coach and missouri is looking for a coach missouri's not going to get their number one right. hire right uh, we just have we haven't had that long-term success to say missouri is a place where you can totally win you know mm-hmm. and it, it is a place where you can win but if there's 
if you know if there's an Oklahoma opening, if there's a Texas opening, if there's an Alabama opening, they're going to get a guy right. before we get a guy. Right. It's just the way it is, and I don't know if all Tiger fans are willing to accept that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see too. Moving under the Mac Rhodes era of how he handles mediocrity in your top programs, right? Mm-hmm. So basketball, which. Uh, you might want to hide it as much as possible, Mizzou fans, but Mizzou has a basketball program. Yeah. I've, I've detected a light dusting of optimism about this year. Yeah. I mean, they had their scrimmage over Halloween, yeah, and they, they apparently look good, gelled well. It's hard to tell against an, you know, an Which inter- team won? Yeah, <laughs> in a scrimmage. But there were a lot of obvious flaws in last year's team. I don't know why we won't drift into basketball, but, but you know, there's some people that say, hey, maybe this team – Connects and gels better. Who yeah, knows? That'd be great. And part of that's probably we have a really bad football. So it's like, yeah, uh, please uh, be basketball, good basketball. Yeah, please basketball, be good. That's coming up, right? Well, um, but but yeah, right. Like like so, Mac Rhodes, he might be faced here. Let let's play this out. Let's say next year Missouri's not able to turn around football wise, right? And basketball struggles again. Well, now he's got two struggling programs. Your two money generating programs are struggling. And that's big time for the athletic director to start making, start moving in, start taking some some measures, right? So, I think the next next year, Mac Rhodes came in thinking like, oh, what a great stable program this mm-hmm. is, you know. And all of a sudden, he could potentially have two losing seasons, or well, it would be like three losing seasons for Missouri basketball at that point, yeah. whatever, uh, you know, and back to back losing seasons for for football. Again, I I don't want to be that pessimistic, but. But if that's a possibility, like then what do you do as macros, right? Yeah. Interesting times. Well, let's give me a prediction for this Mississippi State game, Brian. Well, considering Mississippi State put up almost double the offense that um, we did against Kentucky, and that was when we had Matty Mock, who has been able to move the ball a little bit better than uh, Locke has, even though I think Locke is the better quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to say it's it's not going to be a pretty game. I think our, our defense will make it uh, close, as they always do, and our offense will will maybe kick a field goal. <laughs> I okay. Don't know. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be something like 21, well, I'll go with five. I was going to say 21 to six. Oh. So I think we're right in the ballpark there, uh, unfortunately. Well, let's move on to the rest of the SEC. And I don't want to go through every single game. We're, we'll run long here. But let's look. There's a couple of very big games. And so let's move into a little around the horn with the SEC. Jesus! Loves football. The big one, Brian. The big one. Why don't you just get off to the big one? LSU versus Alabama for yeah. definitely the West, possibly the entire SEC. Right yeah, I here. think you could make that argument. Florida mm-hmm. is is pretty much wrapped up the East at this point. Um, and again, I think they're more overrated than they they are. Than they mm-hmm. their record makes them seem right. Uh, I mean, they're like seven and one, I think, if I remember right. And, mm-hmm. and it just. Their new, their new coach, anyway, Florida's new coach has, has done well with that. So I'll give Jim McElwain, yeah, he's done wonders. Yeah, I'll give them credit for that. But, but yeah, this is definitely, I think, for the SEC title. And, and, it's pos- and this also has national championship implications, right? So let's say um, Alabama knocks off LSU, and LSU only has one loss throughout the entire year. LSU could still potentially make the playoff. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on how that all shapes out, by right. not and still not going to the SEC championship game, right? Whereas, like Alabama could go to the SEC championship game, lose, let's say, to Florida, and then not go to the national championship, but LSU would. You yeah. Know? So, <clears throat> however this game plays out, it, it definitely has big implications, and you know, Saban is just 
his team is clicking at this point. I think you know they they, they have the like the classic Saban right where the game the game that they should be killing somebody is just much closer than it is, but yet. They're just, you know, they get it done. Yeah, their defense comes through and makes a stop, and that game ends, right? I haven't even looked. Where is this one in Alabama or is it LSU? Yeah, I think it's in uh, in Alabama. Okay. Well, that could be a big factor. Yeah. God knows they don't want to play in Death Valley. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I want to say, if I remember right, Alabama is actually favored in this game by, by just under a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So by the odds makers, I think they're predicting probably because of that home field advantage, but LSU with, you know, the nation's best running back mm-hmm. coming in against staunch defense. They're they're a top five defense up there with Missouri. Who are you picking in this one? Who I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'll take LSU. I don't think so. That Alabama would be the upset. So I guess maybe Alabama's not favored. Not I say that, but Alabama would be an upset being at home. But I'm gonna take LSU. I think that running game. Um, they're just more of a complete team at this point. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just take Alabama to make things interesting sure all right is there anything else that's substantive for uh the sec no you know you've you've got some other smaller matchups of games that don't matter at this point <laughs> unfortunately auburn continues to try to not be a dumpster fire uh they're doing their best efforts they're failing miserably but yeah georgia plays kentucky old miss plays arkansas which i think might be a little trip game for old miss they got a arkansas suddenly play a little bit better mm-hmm uh, despite being a dumpster fire. And then Vanderbilt gets to prove that they can't win a game uh, against Florida. So, All right. Yeah. Yep. So that looks really, it is a one game week for uh, the SEC. Yeah, it really, it really, it's a two team conference at this point. Everybody else has been somewhat disappointing. Yeah. A&M did the classic A&M and fell off Florida. I, I, mean, I guess you could count Florida, but again, I think they're more yeah, that's true. overhyped than they just they've they've beat everybody in the East, which is yeah. not saying a whole lot at this point. Yeah, it's, it, you just have to wait to the conference championship at this point to find out if Florida right. is the real deal, right? Which Missouri's done two years in a row, and we've seen how that's worked out, right? All right, well, that's going to wrap it up, I guess, for us. So, a uh, little thing that we started here: oh, gotta sorry, give Brian. our got to give our Twitter shoutouts, and um, we could give the shoutouts to Saturday down, Saturday down South or. Um, St. Louis, um, Arch City, yeah, News. Arch City Arch News City for for uh, quoting Brendan and his scoop, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to our our big fan in uh, Max Mizzou, Mizzou to Max. He was the one that's been going after Dave Matter a little bit on our behalf, letting him know that you know, hey, this story's been scooped. So big shout out to uh, Mizzou to Max tonight. All right, what was his what was his tweet? He said, yeah, a podcast broke that story yesterday, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he's right. All right, Brian, any closing thoughts before we settle in and watch some more sad Missouri football against Mississippi State? I just, we just got to score a touchdown. Yeah, that's right. We got to break the streak. November is the month we score a touchdown on offense. And, you know, our our defense needs to score one as well. I think Mm -hmm. our offense has given our defense plenty of opportunities to score, Mm -hmm. and they haven't. And that's got to be frustrating for our offense. Right. So let's go with the defense scores one and the offense scores one. There we go. Yeah, bust both of our predictions. <laughs> we still lose, but you know, <laughs> that would be fun to watch. All right, well, here's to that. So until next week, Tiger fans, I guess I don't know if we're going to have a midweek show or not, given the fact that uh, the midweek is when we're going to play football. But uh, if we can, if there's news to report, we'll be on the scene Until then, we'll get back on our regular schedule, which will be our weekend game. So other than that, enjoy the football if you can. This has been the Mazodcast, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.
All right. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.